It's time to hammer down and push your IndyCar to the limit. Twin checkers in the air, and Takuma Sato wins the Indianapolis 500-mile race. From turbochargers to tight turns, we're covering everything that's happening on and off the track with the NTT IndyCar Series. Scott Dixon is a six-time IndyCar champion. How about that? This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Well, it's Wednesday night, so you know what's up. It's Tony Kanan, yours truly, Jack Aroot, and it's time for 60 Minutes to talk about IndyCar racing, specifically the NTT IndyCar Series, right here on Brick by Brick. All right, TK, you're not in the United States. You are in Brazil. Tell us why. Yeah, I'm uh, here for a stock car race. I've been doing, you know, for, for people that don't know, we talked about it on the show, but I'm doing an IndyCar, the SRX with Tony Stewart and uh, Ray Everham, and the stock car races in Brazil. So a total of 23 races this year. This weekend, it's Interlagos, my home wow, track, yeah. Uh, yeah. where I grew up racing. So uh, we're still, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we're going to have no, uh, no fans, but uh, really a nostalgic to come back. I haven't been racing here in more than... I think 10 years. So uh, excited about it. So I'm down here uh, getting ready to, you know, to do this. And then Sunday night, catch a plane back to start the month of May uh, in Indianapolis for the Indy 500. You know, you and I, uh, we go back in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to the days before the GMR Grand Prix and the way that the Speedway has built the entire month of May. What I'm talking about is you would practice and practice and practice day after day after day and then set it on the line for pole position qualifying and then practice and practice. You get the picture. You almost would get to the point where you wore out a race car just trying to squeeze time out of it. But that's not the case anymore. It's compressed and uh, you guys hit the track on the oval just two days after the running of the Grand Prix. So do you like it better this way? I don't know, Jack. I'm an old timer. I think, uh, you know, by now we would have been there for a couple of yeah. days already. I had some tests. And uh, so it was a lot, but it was part of the tradition. I understand times have changed, costs and everything else. So I don't dislike the current format. I just miss the, the long month, you know, when you get by the end of the month, you kind of have a, on the, the Monday after the race, you have a withdraw because yeah, you're like, yeah. whoa, you finally decompress. But I mean, the new schedule is not bad, but if I had to choose, I would go back to every day for 30 days or 20 plus days at the racetrack. Well, uh, the NTT series is about ready to hit the twisting road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. What do you think some of the key points are about that track as compared to some of the other road courses that we've already run and we're about to run in the remainder of the season? Well, I think it's, it's a low downforce track. You know, look at the long straighters that we have. So when you do that, you run a very low downforce car, low drag, but then it becomes extremely difficult to uh, to go around the corner because we depend a lot on the aerodynamics. So it's actually a tricky racetrack with a big potential for a disaster in turn one after the start. So a lot of the guys that are going for the championship probably will be extremely careful Um because this championship, it's about points. So I would say, you know, depending how hot or cold is going to be, uh, it, it can be a very difficult weekend as far as trying to set up your car to be decent 
around the entire racetrack. I'm not sure if I agree with you about being careful on the start. Let's go back to Texas. Certainly no <laughs> one was being careful there. Uh, so I, I wonder, and it wasn't just the rookies. I mean, it was across the board. When you have a wide sweeping turn like that, and look, in IndyCar racing, you are the one that defined the technique. You can pass a hell of a lot of cars when they're coming up through the gearbox. Yeah, but I mean, in Texas, what happened? People got greedy. You know, we knew it was going to be a difficult race to pass because we had the example from the, the, the night before. And uh, the people were trying to be sneaky and, and try to time the start. And, and that, was, that was terrible. So I hope uh, the stewards uh, will give the drivers some, I don't know. I mean, I, in my opinion, a couple of guys should have been penalized on that. But uh, although looking from the outside, it's easy to say. It's hard to tell, actually. So looking from the inside, it's easy to say. So hopefully we don't have that. We'll learn our lesson and we won't have that ever again. All right. We'll, we'll discuss it. I think I'm right. If I agreed with you, then both of us would be wrong. Hey, the, uh, the 10th, and it's hard to believe that it is going to be 10 years that the, the IndyCar has been racing on the road course. But when you look at who's hot during that decade, uh, you got Dixie, you got Newgarden, Pagano, and Power. They're the only cats that have won on this road course. Now, that having been said, it, it strikes me that with this youth movement that you and I have been talking about, there may be a new face in victory lane. I mean, it's not like the quote unquote good old days to round up the usual suspects, is it? No, I mean, I, I, we talked about it. We've been talking yeah. about it in every show. I think it's, uh, it's wide open. It's, it's not, you know, I understand it's been 10 years and we only had what four winners. Yeah. Uh, I think this is about to change to be honest. And, and, uh, we'll see what's going to happen. I think that the rookies and the young guns are coming extremely hot. So we'll see. A lot of talk about the rookie class. Certainly everybody's focusing on Jimmy Johnson, but, but you look at the others and, and to be quite frank with you, especially in a road course configuration, uh, does formula one experience in your estimation pay off when you hit the road course at Indy? Uh, for sure. I think, uh, you know, Romain, it would. I, I'm not sure. Did he do the Grand Prix when they were racing Formula One there? I'm not sure, but I think if you look the way he raced at Barber, I mean, he picked up right away, right? So, and I think Dale has a good car there, and uh, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a problem there for sure. I want to circle back to 2020, one year ago. At that point in time, we were still so uncertain about things. And so was Tony Kanan, still hoping and having the fingers crossed that he could have his last ride and interface with the fans, and that didn't happen. And you and I spoke after uh, qualifying for the GMR Grand Prix, and it was the very first time that you had ever attended an IndyCar race and not be in the cockpit of the car. And I, I remember distinctly, it, it really profoundly affected you. Yeah, Jack, I mean, you have to understand, we've been doing this for 23 years, and all of a sudden you see yourself out of the car. It takes a little bit of time to adjust. I think for me, the, the, one of the positive things about the pandemic, it was easier to kind of understand because we didn't race a lot. 
it took us a long time to race. My first race in Texas was actually IndyCar's first race that year. So, but it was hard. It was hard to watch. It was hard to, to be there. I was in the pits. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to stay. Yeah. I didn't know how to act during a session. So it took me a little bit to get used to, but now honestly, uh, look what happens, right? I mean, a year later, I'm still in IndyCar doing some awesome races and I picked up two completely different things than I've ever done in my life as far as driving different cars. And I'm doing more races than I've ever done. So I guess uh, everything happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm busier than I've ever been. So I can't complain. Well, complaining isn't going to do you any good anyways. But we still complain, you know. Granted, it's a limited number of races, but you're back on some home territory because uh, you've been behind the wheel of Chip Ganassi race cars before. Uh, and one of the ironies is I'm sure that when you walked in the shop, there were a lot of familiar faces because when you talk about uh, employee overturn, it's almost non-existent at Ganassi. Yeah. No, nobody have any is. idea why? Well, it's a good, it's a good environment, good people to work. It's a winning team. They even, I would say, I'm not saying it's the case, but even if the environment, it's not perfect. You're working and racing to win races. And that's a team that wins a lot of races. So the reason that people are still there is for two reasons. They love to work there. They're loyal, but at the same time, they know Chip's going to give them everything they want between the drivers and the equipment to win races and championships. So then that is all the reasons that we get involved in racing. So to me, walking in there, honestly, the trucks are the same. My locker is the same locker I had when I was there. Get uh, out. <laughs> yep. My engineer is the same guy. It's Eric, which has been my engineer forever, Eric Calden. Uh, three of my mechanics were my mechanics when I was there. So it's like, it felt like I never left. Wow. Ganassi and Penske for more, almost 20 years, TK. IndyCar racing has circled around those two teams. And it was always fun to watch because they're rivals. Chip Ganassi and certainly Roger Penske are spirited rivals, but they're also very, very good friends. I'm of the opinion that this year, I don't think you can say or limit the first chairs in IndyCar racing to Penske and Ganassi. Seen dramatic increases in the competitive nature of uh, Aero uh, Schmidt-Peterson, Aero McLaren. Uh, we're also beginning to see, and it's always been fascinating to me, that this guy that used to tow an Indy car on an open trailer to races, that all of a sudden we're talking about a, a, a multi-car team and they're getting better, are they not? And I think it's, it never amazes me for the way that Dale Coyne shows up. And let's not forget it. Places like Indy post some pretty good finishes. Yeah, I mean... At the end of the day, you know, when you dominate for so long, like those te two teams have, mm -hmm. the tendency, it's eventually for people to catch up. This is just the way the business is going. Because you have a good combination of good drivers and the teams that step up their game. Like, you know, one of those things happens when you cycle through some drivers, some engineers, some team personnel changes. So I agree with you that you know, they're going to have a harder time. But at the end of the day, it's still Ganassi and Penske 
uh, you know, you step up, they will step up another notch. And that's yeah. how we keep making the sport better. But I don't disagree with you. I think uh, it's not going to be as easy, not that it ever was, but it's going to be much, much harder for them this year to be able to dominate between those two teams without having some of the teams that you mentioned uh, in the mix. So, and if they're not careful, you know, you're not allowed, like I said, we keep saying points, points, points. Look, look at Rossi right now. He's in trouble. You know, if he wants to win the championship, he cannot afford to have one more bad race. How about Hinch? Where the hell is he? Hinch, Hinchcliffe is the same thing, you know, so right there, but then you take two, two cars out. I'm not, guys, don't take me wrong. I'm saying it's going to be difficult for them. I don't think they're out of the, the hunt by any means, but then you add, you know, a, the old coin car. So it's kind of like the cycle has been, you know, a shank car, um, I think it's going to be extremely exciting in a way for the people that are watching that, you know, the nomination of those two teams are not going to be as much as it used to be. It'll be fascinating to see. And the countdown is underway. But first, as we've said, you'll go left and right and the opposite direction that the Indy 500 is run on the GMR Grand Prix this weekend. But when we come back, I want to spend a little time with you, Tony, and talk about memories that you have, and I'll share the ones that I have about the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and specifically the Indianapolis 500. So a little bit of story time after we take this time out. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick on NBC Sports Audio Channel 211. Get jacked up and hit reverse. We're going back in time to hear open wheel racing stories from longtime IndyCar broadcaster Jack Aroot. There comes a time during the course of a race when you don't care about whether you're going to live or die. What's most important is winning. Right now on Brick Brick by by Brick. Brick. You know, TK, I've always said we don't have enough time to tell stories. Well, we got this opportunity now. And as I said before we went to break, you've had the opportunity now to pick your brain just a wee bit. The memories that stand out besides your victory in 2013. I'm going to say the first one that stands out to me, it was the Al Jr. Emerson Fittipaldi Mm. uh, battle. And then Emerson, I remember exactly, you know, when one of those things you remember exactly where you were, the day that was what you're wearing from where you're watching. I was with my dad. Uh, which we used to watch the 500 together at home. And yeah, when Emerson, obviously I didn't know Al Jr. Uh, at the time, but being a good Brazilian, I was cheering for Emo. And then when they hit and Emo won the race, uh, I was pretty excited. You know, I think uh, that was a, a very thrilling finish, to be honest. It didn't work out for Al, but I was happy for Emerson. It wasn't Lucifer Al Jr., but I remember that moment as well. And the thing that stands out is everybody thought that Al Jr. got out of the car to, well, give the middle finger salute to Emerson. But that really was not the case. In fact, last year on Sirius XM, he, little Al explained that, yes, he was angry because he did get pinched. He says, but as I got out of the car, 
I probably, this is what he shared with me, I probably did have the intention of doing just that. He said, but then all, all of a sudden I came to the realization it's the last lap of the biggest race and he wants it just as bad as I did. Yeah, I mean, you would ask your question, if I was in that position, would I do the same? And I can assure you a hundred percent, any single driver that were in that position would make that call. Um, if we can use another example, fasting forward, we can always go back to the other ones, but Dario Franchitti and Takuma Sato. Oh yeah, yeah. Same thing. So, I mean, you can't blame the guy for going. It's, it's come on, it's the biggest race of the year. Well, the let's, go, the world. let's go back to your win. Late race to my restart. Win. Well, Late race on. restart. Uh, and, and I've I, got the radio. I've on, got the radio. All right, I'll hold on. No, 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 no. I was going to say, that's you can't talk about it. That's, I was going to ask you to pick one. So go ahead. You pick right. mine. Go ahead. Let's uh, talk. Well, because uh, look, you're, you've been a fan favorite. But I just want to go to one moment in that race. Late race caution. And the radio transmission from you basically <laughs> was... I'm going to let it all hang out. We're going to go for it. Juxtapose that against Emo and Al Jr. and Dario and Sato and oh, so many more. Isn't that what the Indianapolis 500 uh, conjures up with a race car driver? Yeah, but like, Jack, come on. You're talking about, you know, look at the names that you just mentioned and how many years it took us to win or the dream of winning uh the history of the place um you become you become a legend once you do it and then you have a little sniff of the opportunity after you've been through hell trying to win that race i mean yeah i that's i said it in the radio you said it right i said guys i'm gonna go for it it's all or nothing because i had the nothing already i had to go for all and and this time it worked so it's just it's it's magical. I mean, I know I don't think I can even if I try to explain to the listeners the feeling or the importance of that race. I don't think I will do justice to emphasize how how it changes your life. So, I'm not even going to try. But it's one of those things. Sometimes that is the only opportunity you're going to have in your entire life. And if you don't take it, you regret for the rest of your life. You're going to have to live with the decisions that bad decisions that you made or the risks that you took that didn't work. So it's not easy, man. I mean, I can use plenty of other examples. You know, if you want to go back, go back to Marco Andretti, Sam Hornish Jr., Marco, and the last lap losing at the start finish line. And Marco has been trying to win this race ever since. That probably, I'm not saying that was the only shot, but that, that probably was his best shot well after his rookie season where he finished on the podium yeah absolutely and look at the andretti family uh on my on my podcast jackaroot's wind tunnel i have a new segment kind of like what we're doing telling some of the stories of my 50 years in motorsports and one of the things that i spent time with is and it struck me when you were on my podcast uh when you were telling the story about your dad um I'm the oldest of seven kids. I am also the only one that has had a love affair for 51 years with the Indianapolis 500. But it was the one thing 
that my dad and I shared. My first Indy 500 was 1969 when Mario Andretti won. And in my little story, I, I talk about some of the moments. And then I remember going down out of the grandstands and my father saying, well, Jackie, you just witnessed history. He was right and he was wrong. He thought it was the first of several Indy 500 victories for Andretti. And in actuality, it was going to be the only one. And that made it historic. So there, there are so many moments like that. One that comes to mind for me uh, involved Bobby Rahal and his longtime car owner, Jim Truman. If you recall, Rahal was at the top of his game. And we were supposed to run the race. And if it don't rain in Indianapolis, I, I'm sorry. It may, may not rain in the summertime, but come the end of May, it's always raining. And the race was postponed to Monday and then to Tuesday and then to Wednesday. By the time Wednesday came around, TK, the restrooms could not handle any more. So they postponed the race until Saturday. Now, let's give you the backstory. About several months before that, Truman, who owned Mid Ohio Racecourse, who was along with Bobby, True Sports, and oh, by the way, started and was the CEO of Red Roof Inns, he was almost like you. He was a training machine. He was cut. He was physically fit, only to be felled by cancer. And we all watched during the course of the end of the previous season and then going into Indy as this strapping guy that was like 200 plus really cut pounds began to show the effects. And by the time that race was postponed, the conventional wisdom was that Truman was not going to make it. They were giving him only days. Well, lo and behold, race day comes and there's Jim. And, you know, you talk about you don't win the Indy 500, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway chooses you. If you recall, that was the case. Again, late race restart. Ray Hall and Kevin Kogan had been going at it. And on the restart, Ray Hall gets by and goes on to win the race. I will never forget it. It, it makes the hair stand up on, my, on the back of my neck. I go to victory lane, and Jim can hardly stand up. He is just a wisp of a man now, and he is gripping the back of my neck to keep himself from falling over. And Bobby leans over to him before we do the interview, and he says, this one's for you, Jim. We do the interview, throw it back to the booth, and Truman turns to me and says, I can go now. I will never forget that. Because fast forward just a few days later, we lost Jim Truman. Now, that may sound really sad. It may sound, you know, well, gee, Jack, why do you have that as a memory? Because part of the reason is just the desire to see and witness another Indianapolis 500 kept Jim Truman in the hunt until he realized his dream. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you said it, Jack will choose the winner. Sometimes yeah. he chooses you multiple times. 
Sometimes she chooses you one time. Sometimes she will totally ignore you and will never choose you. So that's how, you know, look at the stories. Look at the, the guys, the names that have won. Um, then we go back and you say, Would you, wouldn't you do anything to win this race? Yes. And that's the reason. Uh, we will definitely play as hard as we can. And we live for it because it is the Indianapolis 500. Let me give you a little backstory because you'll get a chuckle out of this. So as I was alluding to in that Ray Hall victory, he and Kogan were, you know, getting ready for a restart. You remember, we, we talked about it last week with the passing of Bobby Unser, uh, mm -hmm. that Unser and Sam Posey were the two voices in the booth. And it was like mixing water and vinegar. All right. It was, you know, <laughs> Sam would go, Oh my God, there they go. It's caught an understeer. And Bobby would say, Sam, that's not exactly right. It's really that the car is oversteer. All right. But it was magical. Well, in that particular Indy 500, it was the first time that ABC had access to in-car radios. My, how far we've come, huh? And wow. they, they were hooked up with Kevin Kogan. So Sam, they've given the one to go. The lights are out on the pace car. And Sam just arbitrarily decides as they're coming out of turn number four for the restart. Let, oh, my God. Let's go talk to our Kevin Kogan, who's leading the race. Ah, uh, Kevin, this is uh, Sam Posey in the ABC booth. Can uh, you hold off Bobby Rahal? Now the green is out. And if you don't believe me, go YouTube it. Kogan's coming up through the gearbox and says, I can't talk right now, Sam, because I'm a little busy. It's just there are, there are millions of those. It is story time, but it's also I'm beginning to get the sense listening to you that the common denominator is desire. It's Q&A with TK. Tony Kanaan knows what it's like to win a championship. Let's hop in the cockpit to get the inside, inside perspective, perspective from a current NTT IndyCar driver, former champ, and Indy 500 winner. Now winner of the Indianapolis 500, my friend. Great job, Tony. Tony Kanaan, it's time for you to take the lead. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tony Kanaan. So, Tony, growing up as a kid, sharing the dream with your dad. It, it strikes me that uh, as a young Brazilian race car driver, you were probably pointed more in the direction of Formula One. What changed? Yeah, I mean, there was. We used to watch the 500 together, but obviously the goal was to get to Formula One because, you know, very popular in Brazil. Ayrton Senna was racing at the time. Emerson had done it and went moved to Indy. So I'll try that first. I realized pretty soon it's going to be hard to to make it to Formula One, let alone to make it uh, in a very team. And I had to make a choice to either say, okay, I'm just going to be one more in the grid mm -hmm. and, and walk one of in races. Or I can try to win the 500 with a fair shot because IndyCar, it will give you is because how weak was the equipment it was. So 
I took the chance and I think uh, that was right calls that I think made him career. I'm not saying I make the right calls all the time, but that was definitely the right choice to do to America. And and the, the rest is no. I think it was probably a very crucial point of my career that I decided. And once I, I turned it and I looked the way the, the ring was in America, the way, you know, some of the names that winning the 500, some of the legends, and even the Europeans that always even to do if you remember back in the days oh yeah they huh. you know and all those guys they 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 would come here just to do that so i said you know what and again i don't regret a bit i'm i'm actually extremely good i i i chose to be an american i met my wife there my kids all the all my kids were born there it's deciding to come to do IndyCar, Jack. I mean, this country gave me uh, as far as, you know, I can say how much this would cheer for me at the 500. And I'm not even an American, you know, it's it's amazing for me how, because we were about this, Brazilians are not like that. Brazilians would cheer for Brazilians and that. And and so anyway, uh, it was the right choice. And so the 500 made I am, the Indy 500 and IndyCar, uh, you know, it's actually, I lived more IndyCar than I actually, half of my life is being in IndyCar. Wow. 23 years out of my 46, do the math, you know. So IndyCar is my life. The Indy 500 is that I promised my dad and his deathbed that I was going to win. So what else can I say? It's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm I think, you know, like, like I'm not trying to plead not in any way, shape or form saying, I think I have plenty of life to live. I could go now and but I accomplish everything I wanted to accomplish. Now, anything that it comes wise, it's extra. The effect as you sat there and watched and you alluded to, uh, with your dad alluded to MO winning the Indy 500 after, uh, you know, doing battle with Al Unser Jr. Um, there were other Brazilians that had come over to race, but Emo had a second career in IndyCar. What effect did that have on young Brazilian racers? Well, it gave us hope, right? Mm. You talk about a guy that a world championship built his own team, bankrupt. And basically, like you said, had a second chance in life. And I think, you know, this is uh, something that you take for granted. And you know, there is no secret, not just IndyCar. America is the land of opportunity. I think as what I saw was, you know what? That is a life beyond Formula One. There is a series that is probably as good or better. And on top of that, 500, which is bigger than any F1 race. I'm somebody wants to say it differently. Wow. So it, it was a huge impact on us. Hard to believe. And it makes me feel, look, you're only 46. I don't even want to hazard what my birthday is, but it makes me feel very old 
when I come to the realization, and we will certainly uh, be talking to this young man as he attempts to qualify for an Indy 500, the grandson of Emerson Fittipaldi, Pietro. Uh, it, it's just, it, it, I can't fathom that fact. Am I really that old, DK? Well, how about me? Did I sometimes three generations, right? I mean, a two, two, at least not two, but you go between the Andretti, Unser, oh, yeah. Hall, Herta, and now Fidipaldi. I have to say it's 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 three because it was Emerson, Christian, and Pietro now. So uh, don't don't feel bad, Jack. I'm right there with you. All right, I don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> even if I even if I did, I wouldn't admit it. You know, we, we don't mean to neglect the GMR Indy Grand Prix. We certainly, coming up a little bit in our next segment, we're going to talk to Jimmy Johnson as he uh, gets back on the road course in the Carvana car. But for guys like me, for guys like you, the Grand Prix, well, that's the appetizer. And it, and, and it isn't even a shrimp cocktail from St. Elmo's. To me, it's just another race. But the Indianapolis 500, we've been chatting about it this entire segment. There is no other race in the world that commands the attention, the respect, and more importantly, the unbelievable desire and sacrifice to beat that grand old lady. But by the same token, I'm wondering, it's been 10 years since the Grand Prix started. And you're not talking about having the exact same race car. You're talking about much more, much different configurations. So at Ganassi, what have you got for the road course? And then what have you got for the Indy 500? And how much prep went into each of them? I mean, the answer is actually short and sweet. We have a car to win both races. Hmm. How much preparation? That preparation started it probably September with even an hour a little bit later and to add the 48. But that team, there's only two goals in every meeting that we have at racetrack. Chip starts with the same. The goals are championship and win the Indy 500. So they're leading the championship right now. So yep. we're on track. The next meeting will be the, the AMR Grand Prix. And then the next one is going to be, I don't care what you guys do, but go win the Indy 500. So the preparation is on the mentality as well, Jack. It's not just how well we can prep the cars, but you have to have a winner's mentality. If you want to win races and that team definitely has, that team has all the tools and the drivers and the mechanics and the equipment to do so. So on my behalf, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to go take the, my second Indy 500. I only have two more races to do this year. So <laughs> it's two more opportunities I have to win and uh, we'll see what's going to happen. Well, it's a bit ironic 
or serendipity is in play. You are racing a stock car this weekend uh, down in uh, Interlagos in Brazil. (laughs) And Jimmy Johnson, the stock car race, is racing an IndyCar. (laughs) You know, you can't can't make this stuff up. So coming up next, I think it's time for us to pick the brain of one of the Indy rookies. Jimmy Johnson will join us here on Brick by Brick after you listen to these messages coming up next all right jimmy johnson you've gotten two road course races in what do you think it is much different than i I ever thought it was going to be and i have even a greater respect for uh, the sport the competitors the teams uh, everybody involved it is much more competitive intense physical demanding like you name it it is it is all of that and more and I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this great series. IndyCar's Brick by Brick, hosted by Jack Aroot, is available as a podcast on the Sirius XM app. Free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts. We're hitting the apex to bring you the hottest news from the NTT IndyCar series. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Well, joining us on Brick by Brick right now, it's hard to believe that he is a rookie, but he is in the NTT IndyCar series with seven cup championships over on NASCAR. All right, Jimmy Johnson, you've gotten two road course races in. What do you think? It is much different than I, I ever thought it was going to be. And I have even a greater respect for uh, the sport, the competitors, the teams, um, everybody involved. It is uh, it is much more competitive, intense, physical, demanding. Like you name it. It is it is all of that and more. And I'm I'm honored to be a part of this great series. How do you balance your competitive nature with the need to educate yourself to an entirely different discipline? You know, for me, I've I've always been good at just trying to put one foot in front of the other and take realistic steps forward. Um, I think I'm probably harder on myself when I have been on top and trying to maintain that, um, that greatness or that, you know, that momentum or, or keeping a series alive with championships like we did or winning streaks or whatever it might be. Um, You know, but the process of getting there, I know, through my own journey in life that mistakes made are the best lessons learned. And everybody saw on television, a couple of the mistakes I've made these first two starts that I've had. So, um, you know, it's just part of it. And, and I'm surrounded by a, a great group of people at Chip Ganassi racing, great support with my sponsor Carvana. And, um, you know, I think many understand the journey that I'm on and respect me for, um, you know, for putting myself out there and giving this a shot. You talk about putting yourself out there and you talk about your primary sponsor, Carvana. My gosh, you are totally off the wall with those TV commercials. <laughs> they are a progressive young company <laughs> and willing to try anything. So <laughs> I, I want to circle back for just a second. You alluded to the fact that the, the entire American IndyCar public has witnessed some of the mistakes that you've made in the first two races. And yet, Once you recover from them, if you take a look at your lap times, by the end of the race, you're faster than at the start of the race. 
Does that give you any sustenance that, look, there is light at the end of the tunnel, Jimmy? Oh, for sure. And, and I mean, you know, little things I look at, like my qualifying time in St. Pete on Blacks, our first round, I guess, was four tenths off of Dixon and Dixon transferred. Then you look at the race and in the race, I think I was only seven tenths off of Scott's mm -hmm. fastest lap time. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in the ballpark for, for short windows of time. And, you know, that's really when the tire is at its peak. So building the tire and, and getting the pressure and the tire temp up is, is something that I just don't have much experience with and, and are making mistakes quite often there. And then on the backside, it, it bit me at St. Pete in turn three when I spun. Um, I'm used to really sliding a car around a lot. And I'm used to a cup car that has a bunch of tire dag. And if it gets sideways, oh, well, you can catch it. And that car got sideways on me through turn three and I thought I could catch it and I just couldn't. So, <laughs> you know, understanding the car outside of its peak performance window is where I just need more time. And um, I'm going to make more mistakes in the process. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's why you're a rookie. I'm interested. You get a lot of positive input from your peers that are in IndyCar. But what about your former peers? What about the NASCAR community of drivers? What are some of the good uh, remarks that have been passed your way via phone calls or texts? I say one of the funniest ones I got was from Ryan Newman following the car, not wanting to go into reverse um, early in the race at St. Pete. And I simply got a text from him uh, asking me if I wanted an old H pattern for shifting once again. That's pretty good. Yeah, I thought for those that, that, that get it, I was like in a typical Newman, you know, Newman way, just simple. And it was only a few words like, do you wish you had an H pattern? And I was like, OK, I get it. They're, they're watching and paying attention. <laughs> Jimmy, throughout the time that I've been fortunate enough to watch you move up uh, the ladder in NASCAR, I was totally unaware of the fact that you, like me and like a lot of people, suffer from spring allergies. Uh, tell me a little oh, bit about that, man. Man, I, I've been been suffering a long, long time. And, you know, some some springs are better than others. For me, currently, this spring has been the worst I've had in, yeah. in quite some time. Me too. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm very thankful to have a relationship with Alcon and Pataday. Once daily relief, extra strength. I can really treat my itchy eyes right at the source. And for those that do suffer itchy eye um, allergy issues, um, and this is, it's been a game changer for me. And, and I hope that, um, others uh, can check out pataday.com and learn more about the product. It's now available over the counter where it's been, um, a prescribed uh, medication in the past. So, uh, relief is out there. Uh, certainly check the website at pataday.com and learn more about it. So before pataday came along with their once daily relief, extra strength eye drops, how did you compensate, especially when you're, you're in the race car with a full face helmet. You know, it's, it's, it's been a journey for a long time for me. And I, I just know every spring and fall, I've, I've, I've got to fight through it. And in Day, this spring has, has really helped me stay focused as I need to. And as many know, you know, as a race car driver, your eyes are such a critical part of what yeah. we do and having clarity and, and obviously the irritation and all the issues that come with that can be such a problem. And, 
and these once daily um, extra strength drops have uh, have really been a game changer for me. I just start in the morning, I've changed my routine, and I've incorporated it into my routine, and um, it's it's been a been a really <laughs> really helpful tool for me that that many may not think that applies to racing, but your your health and wellness certainly plays such a big role in, in everything you do. You're aware of the fact that my co-host on Brick by Brick also happens to be your co-driver, Tony Kanan. Uh, having a guy like Kanan, and let's not forget the rest of Target Chip Ganassi, but, but just how critical has he been or how constructive is a better word has he been about your, your road racing performances? You know, he's, he has been such a key point or part of this journey. Um, he and I had this, this crazy idea that we put together, you know, through the spring of last year into the summer and was able to pull it off and put it together. And to really, you know, we've always been friends and acquaintances and have shared a lot in common, but to be able to work for a common goal together, um, to be able to lean on him for his expertise in, in driving the car and, and getting better with the car, this has been really, really good. Um, you know, I, I couldn't think of a better guy to share the car with and or a better company with CGR to, to have this experience with. And um, I'm surrounded by a lot of people that really do care about me and, and really want to see me succeed. So it's, it's been plenty of work and, and certainly, um, you know, a lot of, when you're learning at such a high rate, um, you know, it, it, there's just a lot that comes with it. And, and I'm, I'm loving it and enjoying it and just wake up each day ready to tackle whatever's being thrown at me. You know, this is a little off the wall, but we all know just how big his nose is. So one has got to think, and even he professes to the fact that it's a giant uh, appendage. He probably <laughs> suffers from allergies as well. Uh, with your relationship, why don't you get a couple of bottles of this and hand it to the nose? <laughs> you know, I, I will be sure to <laughs> hook him up. I, I did actually hookup chip we were at barber and he just had that itchy eye look going on and i was like hey buddy you suffering and he's like oh my eyes they're just they're killing me they're mm. killing me i said i'll be right back so i went to the motorhome got a bottle of the pad a day once daily extra relief and and actually administered the drops into his eyes because he's like hey can you help me do this and i said yeah sure no problem and i got him in there and <laughs> 10 minutes later he's like thank you i can see i'm so, I'm so much more happy now and comfortable well, well, listen, uh, we are really enjoying the fact that you're tackling something that is absolutely the most foreign type of discipline for someone that's won seven cup championships in a heavy stock car. And Jimmy, uh, keep at it. You'll keep cutting down those lap times and we wish you nothing but the very best. And we always appreciate when you visit with us. I appreciate it, Jack. I look forward to being on again in the future and really look forward to being back in the car on May 15th. Well, TK, this is the part of the show that I always hate. It means that we've come to the close for an hour uh, talking about IndyCar. But before we say sayonara, your thoughts about Jimmy Johnson and his performance in his third IndyCar race, this time on the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Well, you know, I think every race is getting better. I said that in our last show. I think he's one race ahead every time he comes out. I think it's uh, another good experience for him. I mean, the the road course there, it's quite tricky. Mm. Um, you have to actually believe in the car quite a bit through the S's there. Um, and, and I think, you know, 
again, Jimmy's approaching the weekend like I got to learn more. And then I think he has, you know, probably right now, I have to say the best teammates in the field. The cars are extremely competitive. So I think he's going to do well. You, you realize that he is the only driver currently turning a wheel that actually could score the sweep win Indianapolis. Now, I'm not talking about this year, but the following year, win the Indianapolis 500, win the GMR Grand Prix. And oh, by the way, he's also won the Brickyard in the NASCAR Cup Series. That would be something. So uh, hopefully, you know, if he runs the 500 next year. I think uh, that's a foregone conclusion. I think that's going to happen. I'm going to need a, I'm going to need another car because I'm supposed to drive that car. So yeah, but we're working on that. You you don't want to just drive in the Indy 500. We're gonna we are you going to four, get you a, we'll do 48. I don't we know. are going you know. to get you a full time ride. Wow, you belong in well, the series. That's what happens, and I guess everybody that does your show, right? Look at what happened to Digger. So yeah, uh, it's it's a good omen. Yeah. And on, and on yeah. top of that, look at look at your schedule this year. You're driving more than normal. So more than I ever did. So I can't complain. TK, they call that networking. Yes. True. Hey, true. it's been a real pleasure. When we get back together next week, the countdown will be underway for the greatest spectacle in racing. Cars will be on the track the day before we go on the air. We'll get some feedback from you. And we'll start to focus laser-like on the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500. Quick reminder, if you missed any of the show or any of our interviews, it's real easy. Just go to the SiriusXM app or Pandora and search Brick by Brick. For Tony Kanan, I'm Jack Root. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Wednesdays at 7 Eastern. Listen to our weekly IndyCar series, Brick by Brick, on NBC Sports Audio Channel 211 and the Sirius XM app. Free for most subscribers.